welcome, welcome back. This is your girl, Sada Star, welcoming you to another episode of A Day in the Life of the Alpha Woman, the official podcast of the Easy Breezy Life community. Before we run into today's topic, we just want to clear our disclaimer and let you know that everything we share is intended to be informational and inspirational, but we want you to still seek out your legal, financial, professional, or any other professional you need to resolve whatever challenge you may be having in your life. The Easy Breezy Life is a group project. You cannot do it alone, and God never intended for you to do this alone. So let's get into it. Some quick announcements. Um, Our podcast is now available on Anchor FM and in Pocket Casts. So if you subscribe to any of those platforms, feel free to look us up on there. But for now, we will still be on Spotify and SoundCloud, hoping to make it more available to our audience. Today's topic is about people. People are messy and they're petty. And I'm not talking about your coworker. I'm not talking about your sister or that one cousin or your Shady Boots boss. I'm just talking about people. I am talking about you. I am talking about me. I have learned that no matter where I go or how I try to avoid the petty, wherever there is more than two people in a room, it's going to be messy. You know... I don't do friend groups and I don't do friend groups because I really don't believe in like five best friends. I really, really believe in BFFs because for me, my sisters are my friends and everybody else is just there, right? Um, I have some college friends who I'm really close with. I have certain people in my life who I'm really close with, but for most part of my life, like my sisters were my friends. And so this concept of Outer family, really close friends is a really new for me. Well, except for my one sister friend and she knows who she is. But even with my sisters, my relationships with them are individual. I have a completely different relationship with my older sister than I do with my younger sister. And it's because our dynamics, our personalities, when we're together, when we're apart, they function a little bit differently. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that. And the reason why I really try to work on individual relationships is because I learned a very, very important lesson in college dealing with friend groups about trust, faithfulness, honesty. And, you know, without going into too much detail, I learned pretty early on how telephone charades and people assuming that it's okay to share people's business with other people in a friend group was okay. And even today in my work life, it never fails, right? Even at church or any group, it never fails. Somebody will call a meeting. Somebody will miss said meeting. Somebody tries to fill them in on the details, but miss some very key points. And before you know it, there is miscommunication. And sometimes, you know, a drama mail erupting at work. And unless somebody sends some kind of mass communication or convenes a meeting to end the drama, you can bet that everybody's going along for a merry-go-round until somebody decides to pull the plug. And guess what? Your girl side of star is a plug puller. I realize that everywhere I go, what tends to frustrate me the most is confusion and a lack of clarity. They said, she said. I heard, did you know, 
All these things tend to work my last nerve. But I have come to realize that unless I want to live isolated on an island, there will always be a need for clarity. People need clarity. And when we fail to communicate, people draw their own conclusions and walk away living on those conclusions. And I have found that a lot of times people will take your words, color it with their own intentions, or fully deliver those messages and the nature and the intent of your communication. And before you know it, you find yourself in an issue that you didn't even want to be in. So the more God helps me in this area of learning how to be a professional plug puller, the more I try to ask myself when people come and ask me for advice or any kind of input is, if this person went off and broadcasted my direct statement, how would it be received? Now, you can't affect or impact how everybody receives your message because everyone is using their own filter based on their own history, their own challenges, their own issues, um, their own strengths and weaknesses. So it is impossible to give a message that is appeasing to all. However, most times I find that if I turn my filter on, which is the Holy Spirit, before speaking, I do all right. But since I'm kind of recovering from the keeping it 100 all day, every day spirit, sometimes my mouth will open before the Holy Spirit gets to caution me, you know, but I thank God that in those moments, my close friends, confidants and my prayer closet and my husband um, help me stay delivered from myself every single day. It's just a constant life of, Ooh, Lord, I know I shouldn't have said that. Help your girl out right? And that's what God wants from us, right? He doesn't expect us to be perfect. He wants our progress. And so I always tell my husband that like, you know, my husband will tell me a lot of times, he's like, you know, you're getting better. In the beginning of our marriage, I would make a slick comment or a sarcastic comment. And I wouldn't know that it was sarcasm because I grew up in a house where we were just sarcastic, right? And I wouldn't think anything was wrong. Then it went through, I would say something and maybe two weeks later, I'd be like, oh, was that wrong? Then it was maybe an hour. And now I've come to a place where most times I can catch myself within like a minute. Now, if I could just get that minute to be before I open my mouth, we'll be at a really good place. But God is helping me. And this is about progress and not perfection. So hallelujah for that. But as I try to work on these areas, whenever God kind of highlights an area of my life that I need to work on, what I try to do is start try and start studying the Bible on that particular area, right? And the Bible is full of wisdom nuggets. I got to tell you, if you got an area issues with your money, the answer's in there. If you got an issue with your spouse, the answer's in there. And people don't believe it. And I even, as a Christian, really didn't believe when people be like, everything you need is in the Bible because it just sounds like religious mumbo jumbo. But it's really true. You know, like, for example, this past week, I came across a passage in Isaiah 11 and I love the book of Isaiah, but I feel like you could spend all year reading the book of Isaiah and read it over and over again. And it would just keep speaking to you. But here's what it says. And there shall come forth a shoot out of the stock of Jesse, and a branch out of his root shall grow and bear fruit. And the spirit of the Lord will rest upon him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and the reverential and obedient fear of the Lord, and shall make him of quick understanding. His delight shall be in the reverential and obedient fear of the Lord. 
He shall not judge by the sight of his eyes, neither decide by the hearing of his ears. But with righteousness and justice shall he judge the poor and decide with fairness for the meek, the poor, and the downtrodden of the earth. And he shall smite the earth and the oppressor with the rod of his mouth, and with the breath of his lips he shall slay the wicked. So this particular passage on the day that I read it, got my whole life. Because to me at the moment, I was having some leadership dilemmas in the workplace, some leadership dilemmas in my personal life, and just some dilemmas with learning how to be a good judge of character. And the scripture there really breaks it down, but I want to break it down a little bit further for us because I was able to kind of pull out the seven ways, you know, that the Holy Spirit will work with us when it's upon you to give you wisdom in dealing with people right? Wisdom in dealing with the messy and the petty. The first principle that I kind of paid attention to is that, and I think is important for us to kind of acknowledge when reading the Bible, is that him is really gender neutral. I know gender neutrality is not something we kind of talk about at church, but when it said that God created man in his image, male and female, he created them, like man is gender neutral, right? So when you see him in the Bible, feel free, like I do all the time, to replace that he with a she, that him with a her. And sometimes if it's a male name, I just swap it out and say my name. So it does apply to everybody, even though this particular scripture is just saying he. Good. Now that we got that out the way, Something that I kind of saw in this was that the spirit of the Lord will rest upon you. You you know, I have been in leadership roles for as long as I could remember. I'd be 10 years old, get pulled into the cheerleading team. Before you know it, I was captain of the team. Anywhere that I went, you know, my mom kind of said, like, you just always found your way to the front. Not intentionally, but I'm starting to realize that that just might be my spiritual gift, right? Like if you're called to lead, the Bible says, and your job is to lead, go ahead and do that. And if you're an alpha woman listening to this podcast, then more likely than not, you are called to lead, right? And if you're a male listening to this podcast, hey, we're happy to have you on board too. But the first spirit that kind of rests upon you to give you the ability beyond your human strength, beyond your human wisdom, beyond your human eyes and ears to lead is the spirit of wisdom, right? Knowing what to do, how to do it, and actually being able to get it done. But wisdom can be really challenging to develop sometimes. Like I know in my case, um, Wisdom has come through some really tough life experiences. And I'm not saying that that's how all wisdom comes, but if you're a little hard-headed and strong-willed alpha woman, if you think a lot of times that you have all the answers, which can be unintentional, but it kind of comes with the personality, right? You got to be confident in yourself to be able to lead others, but there is a certain level of confidence that can kind of hurt you when it's not joined to the wisdom of God. So spirit-led wisdom is very important when you're going to lead people in any kind of effort. The second spirit of the Lord that kind of rests on people is understanding. Being able to see beyond what is presented to us. Those can be motives, um, intentions, whatever conspiracy might be brewing, or whatever might be coming down the pike for us, for those we lead, for our family. As I have become more in tune 
I, with God, I realized that sometimes I'll just get a feeling about something in my work environment. And I know that in five months, this might be coming up. I need to think about that. And you're going to have to be futuristic as a leader because your job is to kind of do some forecasting, to see at a bird's eye view and to look around at what your team can't see because they're in the weeds doing the day to day. So you need a spirit of understanding. The third spirit is the spirit of counsel. Some people call the spirit of counsel their gut feeling. I call it the Holy Spirit, right? Everybody's got the Holy Spirit, whether or not you've proclaimed God. Um, Jesus died for everybody to have the Holy Spirit, and he loves everyone and wants everyone to be guided for their life, whether or not they've come to a place of proclaiming Christ. With that being said, even though we have our gut feeling, the Bible also says that our plans prosper with a multitude of counselors and advisors. And so God sets me up, I find, when I'm seeking guidance in a particular area with a multitude of counselors to help me in my decision-making process. So I pray for guidance, I open my eyes and ears, and I try to pay attention to what gems people are dropping in conversations. And I lie to you not, the gems can come from talking to a janitor, talking to one of my students, talking to an employee, talking to a pastor, talking to a friend. It is just Putting the prayer out into the atmosphere and looking, expecting a response makes me more sensitive in everyday conversation. And I find that most times the gems come from people unintentionally, but God always answers because the desire of the Holy Spirit is to counsel and to guide you into a way that is going to cause you to prosper, to be abundant, and to live a peaceful life. The fourth spirit is might. It takes empowerment to accomplish the assignment of God on your life. Without the shadow of the doubt, with and through Christ, you can do all things. But without him, you're going to hit a plateau and then you're going to be stuck. Period. Like now, for me in the past year, like when my son was in the hospital, people were just like, I have no idea how you're doing it. Little did they know that I too had no idea what I was doing it. Right? I too had no idea how I was getting all this stuff done. All I knew was that in the morning, the first part of my morning was dedicated to spending time with God, praising God, worshiping God, reading God's word, asking for guidance on whatever was going on, getting my spirit right, and then starting the day. And I lie to you not at any point in that journey. If I did not do that, it was a hard day. It was a hard day. You know, the easy breezy life is based on the scripture that God's yoke is easy and his burden is light. If I gave my burdens to God in the morning, one-on-one, together, the burden felt light for that day. But if I missed even a day, let me tell you, I would feel the full weight of everything that we were going through. And before I knew it, my emotions were shifting, my mood was shifting. So that might that comes from the Holy Spirit is like a dependency, a dependency on the Spirit of the Lord to empower you for whatever you got to get done that day and for the life you want to live. The fifth way that the Holy Spirit helps us is through knowledge. Leadership is actually a learned skill. You know, I've had colleagues say like, there's just something about you when you walk in the room that says, this one's a leader. I said, yeah, but that thing is developed over time. If you talk to my mentor who gave me my first job, He would say that, yes, 
when she Asada walked into the room, there definitely was something about her, <laughs> but it wasn't her ability to lead. Okay. Yes, there are certain people who are born with an innate ability to command a room, um, but leadership is actually an art, in my opinion. And if we are not constantly developing our leadership capability, expanding our capacity, eventually we hit a plateau, we stop growing, and whatever is not growing is dying. So you can be a stellar leader today if you stop developing, if you stop learning, if you stop stretching and questioning and correcting yourself, one day you will find yourself a leader without a pack. Leaders understand that knowledge, one, comes from above but that we can learn from every person in every circumstance. A leader should not be looking down on even the smallest person on their team. Leaders should not be looking down on the people in their community who don't seem to have anything because you never know what God has deposited into that person that can help you have the knowledge to open your next door and your next level. So That knowledge from the Holy Spirit has to come upon you, but you're going to have to be humble to know that you have something to learn. The sixth way that the Holy Spirit comes upon us to give us the wisdom to lead and to judge is through reverence. The anointing you do not honor can never bless you. And that's not just at church. If you don't honor your boss, if you don't honor your supervisor, if you don't honor... um, any authority figure, you're not going to benefit from it. It may look like you're benefiting short term, but eventually it's going to catch up to you. Reverence is about giving respect and honor where respect and honor is due. And in my life, that looks like respecting and honoring my husband, a lesson that God has taught me the hard way, right? Honoring my bosses, regardless of what visible shortcoming Um, I can see because the truth of the matter is that even for me and my staff, I have shortcomings and they work around me all the time. Honoring our pastors, understanding that even if they are imperfect, the Bible says that touch not my anointed and do my prophet no harm. So you get yourself in a tizzy with the the pastor thinking you're going to talk about the pastor. You're going to correct the pastor. Good luck with that because there's an answer from the Lord coming for you. But reverence really talks about anybody who is in charge of us. I know there is a lot of corrupt leadership out there right now. We got more bad examples than good examples of leadership. But like I said, people are messy. You are messy. That includes any authority figure in your life. Like I remember Barack Obama being in leadership and the black community being like, he's not doing enough. He's not doing enough. Well, Is he just your president or is he everybody's president? It was such an interesting dynamic how everybody had an opinion about what Barack Obama should be doing as the first black president, but they ain't never been the first black president. Get your behind in the White House and then you can be the champion of the people because heavy is the head that wears the crown. And anyone who is an authority figure over you is wearing a crown that is heavier than yours. Trust and believe it. You need to honor it. You need to respect it because that reverence, that honor opens the door for God to give you more wisdom and for you to level up. And the truth of the matter is like, sometimes we just can't vibe with people's leadership styles. Like I, you know, unfortunately have come across some leaders across my path who I just could not get behind 
the ethics and the, the lack of integrity at some point. And when you find yourself between that rock and a hard place, you do have a decision to make, to leave, right? Because you got to be able to have an undivided loyalty to follow some folks. But the Bible says that when we leave a place, we should be let out with gladness. So if you're leaving on a petty tone, if you're leaving on an offended tone, that's not how God wants it to be. You got to find a way to bow out gracefully. You know, I remember being a part of a church and hitting a place where I just felt like I was not growing in that church anymore. Now, I felt that God told me to leave, but the mistake I made was the way that I left. And let me tell you, I left that church probably nine years ago. And this past year, God still convicted me that I had to go back and apologize to the leadership of that church for the way that I left. Nine years later, right? And so God expects us to reverence people. He expects us to honor folks, regardless of how they make us feel. If you want to be a good leader, you want to be counted as a good judge, you got to find a way in you to do it. The last way that the Holy Spirit helps us, number seven, is the fear of God. You know, let me tell you something. After going through what I went through with my son and my family, if God says jump, your girl is jumping. If he says take this gig, I got to take the gig. If he says cancel that lunch, that girl ain't your friend, we ain't eating together. Sorry, but not sorry. And yes, it's very important to emphasize that because we got to be able to be obedient. You know, we are living in the time where everybody wants to talk about the good, good father. They don't want to talk about the fact that the good, good father will chastise and discipline his children if they are out of line. And the Bible says that we really should not be offended when God corrects us because he corrects those we love, right? And so for me in my personal life, God's correcting rod has made it very clear to me that God expects obedience, to whatever he's called us to do. And you can't know what he's called you to do if the rest of your life is out of whack. You know, a lot of folks will be walking around saying, well, I felt, I felt, I felt, and none of their feelings are in alignment with God's word or what he says. And so whenever you feel like God is giving you an instruction, it is incumbent upon us as believers to go and search for the word of God that is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow, and to really get clear on what is God asking me to do? What does obedience look like in this situation? Because we really don't want to go where God hasn't called us to be if we're trying to live a faith-filled, abundant life. And the truth of the matter is, like, sometimes we really jack this up. Sometimes, even for me, I got to call somebody and get somebody to coach me into doing what God wants instead of what I want. Because sometimes I'm in my feelings too. The truth of the matter is, is that in those moments, we have to know who the godly influences are in our lives who are going to steer us the right way. And when we do make a mistake, thank God for the blood. All we have to do is quickly repent, turn our way back to God, and he's going to tell us the way to make it right. You know, and the way that I feel right now, I may not be able to avoid every tough lesson, but I really ain't got time for any more unnecessary lessons in my life. So if I had it my way, I would just choose the obedient life so I can have a peaceful life. Right? And so those seven ways are the ways that the Holy Spirit helps us. They are really key and critical part to um, being able to lead, to be a good judge, and someone who is fair and that people respect. 
another important aspect to talk about with leading is really not just obeying God, but getting to a place to obey cheerfully. You know, there's this song by Elevation Worship um, that says, seek justice, love mercy, and walk humbly with your God. Now, full disclosure, sometimes I'm just obeying God and hoping that the cheerful will come later. Because there will be some people who God has called me to help and to be a blessing to that I really can't stand, you know? And let's not pretend that every person that God calls into our life and calls us to help is people that we get along with or that everybody on our team are people who we like or that we love all our colleagues. Sometimes you're loving people purely through God and not from yourself, right? And so what I try to work on and what we got to work on is obeying God all the time, cheerfully, getting to a cheerful place, not kind of the 75% obedience that can really get us in trouble. And, you know, I'm hoping and praying that God will help me with this every single day because I struggle with obedience in certain areas like, you know, loving and blessing your enemies. I'm going to get to it. You know, sometimes God tells me to do it. I'll be like, I'm going to get to it. But the truth of the matter is, is that he doesn't just want us to obey him. He wants us to be cheerful. The other thing that I kind of picked up from this um, scripture in Isaiah 11 was, believe none of what you hear and only half of what you see. I think it's so interesting that some of the most popular sayings in pop culture and, you know, insta quotes are really just Bible passages that have been rewritten with the scripture reference removed from it. But in this scripture where it says that the wise judge will not believe what they see with their eye and they won't make a decision based on what they hear, that really we seek to get the full picture before making a judgment call on others. And it really kind of comes with being fair, right? Um, Anytime I've seen that there's been a conflict and my husband tries to help me work on this because, you know, I have certain biases and leanings. Um, my husband always says that you should only address the individual who's in front of you about their behavior and try not to address the behavior of the other person that they are mentioning because that individual only has control over their behavior. To be fair, most times, My husband and I will have couples who come to us with like challenges that they have. And because of my family history and background and, you know, some of the things I watched my mom go through, my lean is always to believe the woman. My lean is always to be like, what? He did what to her? That ain't right. We got to defend the woman because it's just, it's just the bias that I function on. But, you know, with the help of my husband and even at work, I find that God is calling me to understand that when somebody comes to you with an issue, they will never tell you the 50% that they did to perpetuate that issue. Nobody wants to make themselves look bad. And so it's incumbent upon us, if we're going to be good leaders, good judges of character and circumstances, to find a way to withhold judgment. I'm working on it. But you got to work on it. I got to work on it um, because that is really the way to lead. Another concept was to be uplifting, to be uplifting, right? Um, And for me, that just means social justice, being a blessing to the poor, the sick, the oppressed, the downtrodden. People being oppressed should not be something that you are okay with when you are in the room. 
Now, there are ways to address situations in love and with grace, but the job of an alpha woman or a leader is really to defend the underdog. You shouldn't be allowing for people to be taken advantage of on your watch, period. And really, the last key that I picked up from this was slay. Slay, queen, slay. Slay the wicked, that is. So this ain't the slay of your makeup, your hair, your outfit. We still want you to slay like that. But really, Isaiah 11 is talking about how the righteous judge, the good leader, slays the wicked. So if you see somebody being outright mean, outright nasty, being a mean girl, being um, uh, detrimental to others, a bad apple, it really is your job to call it out in love. You know, and I have these situations come up all the time where we got to sit folk down and be like, is it really everybody else or is it you? I see it at work, you know, um, and thankfully for me, I've had people in my life who are willing to be that. And I respect that the most because it's the people who are willing to call me out and check me on the areas of my life where I need to work on that help me grow the most. We don't grow from cheering and clapping. We don't grow from empty praise. We grow from doing the hard work, from sitting down with ourselves. Girl, you got to work on your attitude. You got to work on your delivery. You got to work on the way you work with others. That feedback that I've gotten from mentors in my life after I've gotten out of my feelings to acknowledge that, no, the mentor is just trying to help me has been the keys that God has used to grow and groom me in so many ways. And as a leader, you got to be that for other people. Now, there are some people who straight up come in with bad intentions. And your job is to make sure that that person gets as far away from your team as possible. Gets as far away from your project as possible. It is, I, I understand and I acknowledge that it is not possible to change and save everybody. But if you're going to be a leader, then you need to slay. Slay, chick, slay. So let's give a quick recap of what we talked about today. And how are you going to turn that into action items? Number one, if you're going to lead, the spirit of the Lord has got to be upon you. There are seven ways that the spirit of the Lord rests upon somebody's life to give them wisdom, understanding, counsel, might, knowledge, reverence, fear, and to teach you how to be obedient, right? And so you're going to need the spirit. You're going to need a whole lot of wisdom and divine intervention if you're going to be a good leader in this day and time. Second key Make sure that you are obeying God cheerfully. We working on it, but we got to get there. Third, believe none of what you hear and only half of what you see. Number four, be fair. Five, uplift people. Six, slay, chick, slay. So take some time today. Look at those seven ways that the spirit supports people and helps you lead. Which one of those are lacking? What can you start doing in your prayer life, in your private time? What counselors, what support system can you start putting in place that's going to help check you in those situations? And I also want you to ask yourself, is there anybody you need to be apologizing to? Is there anywhere you need to course correct? Because leaders have to be able to correct themselves. A lot of times the people you're leading will find it hard to speak up and correct you. So I'm hoping 
that this episode helped you out, gave you some clear keys on how you can um, learn to be a better leader and a better judge, what those traits look like, and that you incorporate in your daily walk. So hit us up on our website, email me. I want to know how you're using this information. And also, if there are other ways that you want us um, to help and support and to give more practical ways of leading, um, of living the alpha woman life, I'm happy to do so. Like for me right now, I'm working on my calendar, my organizational skills, and managing my energy, right? And so as I get better with that, I'm going to share it with you guys also. So that concludes this episode of A Day in the Life of the Alpha Woman. Have a blessed week, and I can't wait to have another conversation with y'all next week. God bless you.